Well, good morning, Cedar Creek Church. It is so great to see you this morning. Hope that you are having a great weekend and I want you to know how thrilled I am that you are here for part three of our series in the way. I am Danny Wilson, a campus pastor here at our Banks Mill location. Um, and for those who may be new here, all that simply means is that we are a multi-site church and we have a campus pastor at each of our locations. And our senior pastor, Pastor Philip Lee, is coming back from um, some vacation. And so he will be back in town a little bit later today. But in his absence, uh, we've had an opportunity to speak at each of the campuses, the campus pastors. And one of the things that I've been so thrilled to have here at our Banks Mill location is God has sent some other people here that can flat preach. And if you know, two weeks ago, you heard Rick Lee, our adult ministries director, speak. And then last week, you heard Jordan Nates, our center point student ministry director, speak. And both of those guys are very, very gifted and did a fantastic job of preaching God's word. And now today, I feel like I've got the bar raised really, really high. And so I've got to preach really, really hard in order to, to do what those guys do. But really an honor to have them here on staff. And I just I just want you to know this, as a campus pastor, I am thrilled at the staff God has brought here because on this campus today, uh, we have our Kids Creek director, Terry Watson, who is leading a fantastic team of people that are ministering to our children. Simone Grigsby is working with our Grace Ministry team and she's doing a wonderful job there as we reach out to families with individuals with special needs. Our office staff here, our guest services, just across the board, I'm just a happy man right now because God has assembled a great team a great team here and I get to be a part of that. So I'm just so grateful for all that God's doing and that I get to be a part of what's going on here at Cedar Creek Church. Well, let me go ahead and get started because I got a lot of stuff I want to cover today. We are in week three of a series called The Way when we're exploring Jesus, as Rick talked about from a 50,000 foot view. Um, so much in the passages that we're looking at, we're exploring during this time, John 14, six, and I'll talk about that in one second. Uh, but if you missed the first two weeks, I do want to encourage you to either go to our app or our website and just listen to those messages because I think God will have a special word for you that I think you'll be encouraged to hear and challenged to hear. And then today, of course, you're going to hear the last part of that. So let me go ahead and tell you, John 14, six simply says, this is Jesus speaking. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the father, but through me. And so the first two weeks we looked at Jesus as the way and the truth. And today I have an opportunity to talk about the fact that Jesus is life. And that word life is packed full of meaning. I have several messages that I could probably speak on that topic. I won't do that today. I'll just give you one message, but there's a lot that, that's in that whole idea of Jesus being the life. I want you to look on the card you got as you came in, because I did want you to notice one phrase, kind of a summary phrase, as we talk about Jesus being life of what we're talking about. And what I put there is this, that Jesus provides real and genuine life that lasts forever. And he provides hope, peace, forgiveness and direction. And what I tried to do in that statement is just give a very quick summary statement of what it means that Jesus is the life. Because I'm gonna go with this a little bit different angle um, than exactly what the text is talking about and the idea of the life he's talking about there. And what I wanna take a few minutes on is to look at the life of Jesus, but to see how Jesus' life led to transformation of other people's lives. And that's the second statement you'll see there. Whenever I put Jesus lived in a way that pointed people to a transformed life. And that's where I wanna to go today. I wanna to look for a few minutes at how Jesus lived his life that led to transformed lives. 
Because here's what's important to understand. As Christ followers, we're supposed to be mimicking his life. So how Jesus lived his life is how we need to live our lives. So I thought it important today, let's take a minute and see how Jesus lived his life. Because believe it or not, every single person that's a Christ follower, God has called you to transform other people's life through his power. So I want us to take a few minutes and look at what that involves. And I wanna do that out of Matthew chapter nine, and I'm gonna do it out of verses nine through 13. So if you wanna turn there in your Bible, it'll be on the screen, your Bible app, anywhere. I would ask you just to follow along with me. And what we're gonna look at is just a few habits of Jesus that led to life and some habits that we can mimic that we're gonna see in his life. So let me read Matthew chapter nine, verses nine through 13. And God's word says this, As Jesus was walking along, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at a tax collector's booth. Follow me and be my disciple, Jesus said to him. So Matthew got up and followed him. Later, Matthew invited Jesus and his disciples to his home as a dinner guest, along with many tax collectors and other disreputable sinners. But when the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, why does your teacher eat with such scum? Interesting question. When Jesus heard this, he said, healthy people don't need a doctor, sick people do. Then he added, now go and learn the meaning of this scripture. I wanna show you mercy. I want you to show mercy, not offer sacrifices. But I have come to call those who I've come, for I have come to call not those who think they are righteous, but those who know that they are sinners. Wow, what powerful verses there. Well, as I say, we're gonna take the next few minutes to look at a few habits in Jesus's life that need to be mimicked in our lives. So the very first one you're gonna see there is that he called all kinds of people. He called all kinds of people. And in verse nine, we see very clearly, he says, as Jesus was walking along, he saw a man named Matthew sitting in his tax collector's booth. Follow me and be my disciple. Jesus said to him, so Matthew got up and followed him. And I want you to notice something here right off that caught my attention. And that was as Jesus was walking along. And the reason that caught my attention is because Jesus was just going about his daily routine and he was walking along and he noticed something. And when I read that, I had to stop before I even really looked into this message at all. And I started thinking, how many times do I walk through life and I just notice the things that God wants me to notice? I notice the person who's hurting. I notice the person that's struggling. I notice the person that's having that difficulty. I notice that person that needs that word of encouragement. How many times do I as a pastor notice that person? And if I'm honest with you today, I miss it a lot of times because I'm not in tune with God like Jesus was. And I'm ashamed to say that as a pastor, but sometimes I get in my own routine and my own schedule and my own busyness and I miss the very people that God puts in front of me. So as we start today, I just would ask you to begin to think about, are you in tune enough with God to notice the very people that he puts in front of you? Because I know this, if you're a Christ follower, he puts people in front of you every single day and he wants you to take notice of them. So it's fascinating to me that Jesus, as busy as he was, he noticed this guy in front of him. He knew God wanted him to do something. And here's what's crazy. This guy that Jesus noticed was a scoundrel. He was a tax collector. If you know much about scripture at all, you know tax collectors were hated. They were thieves. They took advantage of people. They would rip you off. They could charge you whatever they wanted to. These guys were not well liked at all. And Jesus noticed this particular guy and called him and says, follow me. 
And I think about that and I think if I were there, I probably would have said, Jesus, what are you doing? Do you know who it is you're calling? Do you know who this guy is you're talking to? You are God's son, you're the Messiah and you're calling this guy to follow you? What are you doing? Are you crazy? But what we have to understand is that Jesus called all kinds of people and he had a plan and purpose in everything that he was doing. So it's amazing to me that Jesus never stopped to ask people about their spiritual credentials, didn't stop to ask them if they were worthy, didn't stop to ask them if their life was all together and they were in good order and good shape. He never did any of that. He followed along and he did what God called him to do. And oftentimes it meant he called people that nobody else would have ever thought he would have called or that nobody else would have called, but he called those people. So this morning, I want you to take a deep breath and I want you to know this. You don't have to be a spiritual guru today for God to call you. You don't have to have your life in order. You don't have to know the Bible. You don't have to know verses. You don't have to know all the praise songs. You don't have to be 100% attendance at church. You don't have to do all that in order to follow after Jesus. He calls all kinds of people. He calls hurt people. He calls broken people. He calls damaged people. He calls imperfect people. He calls all kinds. As a matter of fact, in scripture, this is a long list, but Jesus called cheaters. He called Matthew. He called murderers. He called adulterers. He called fishermen. He called doctors. He called prostitutes. He called people with speech issues. He calls people that were angry. He called people that were running from him. God calls all kinds of people today. And that's why I love this church that I get to serve and be a part of because Cedar Creek from the very day Richard Swift started this church, carrying right on through now as Pastor Philip is our pastor, that we get it here. We understand it's okay to not be okay. And we understand it's messy and the church is messy and life is messy. And quite honestly, if you come to this church and you wanna put on this front that everything in your life is fine and great and hunky-dory, you're not gonna like it here for very long at all because that's not who we are. And you're not looking at a campus pastor today that'll tell you I have my life together. I struggle just like you do. And I have battles just like you do. And some I win and some I lose. And there's some parts of my life I'm ashamed for you to know what go on in my life. There's other parts of my life I would say, hey, look at this part, I'm proud of this. And I want you to just to know this today, God calls all kinds of people. God is calling you today. And so I want you to just take a deep breath and just relax and know you can be family here and it's okay to not be okay because we know that's who God calls all kinds of people. So the application point I want you to see in this verse is really simple. Allow God to use you to call people to himself. Cedar Creek Church, I need you to understand, if you call this your church home, God wants to use you to call other people to himself. Danny, how do you know that? I'll take you over to the verse that is part of our very mission and listen to this verse. 2 Corinthians 5, 18, God's word says this. And all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. Listen to this. And God has given us, God has given Christ's followers the task of reconciling people to himself. God has called every one of you, not just the staff of this church. God has called every person that's a disciple of his to reconcile, to bring people back to himself. And we need to do what Jesus is doing. We need to call people back to him. We need to call people into a relationship with him. And if we'll allow him to do that, God will do that in our lives. So the first habit I want you to understand today is that Jesus had the habit of calling all kinds of people. 
A second habit that was part of his life is that he hung out with all kinds of people. He not only called them, but he hung out with them. And this is pretty cool right here to me. Look at verse 10. Verse 10 says this. Uh, this is Matthew 9, 10. Later, Matthew invited Jesus and his disciples to his home as dinner guests, along with many tax collectors and other disreputable sinners. Now, here's what I want you to catch here. That, and I really want you to notice this, that Matthew invited Jesus into his home. Matthew knew who Jesus was. Matthew was very aware of who this guy was and he invited Jesus into his home. And one of the things I started thinking about scripture over and over and over again is some of the people that liked hanging out with Jesus more than anybody else were sinners. And I had to stop and ask myself, why would sinners wanna hang out with Jesus? Jesus lives a life totally contrary to them. It seems like religious people would wanna hang out with him. And the reality is religious people wanted to trap him and wanted to see him do these great miracles and stuff. But in the end, they really didn't wanna hang out with him for the right reason. But you've got these people over here who are living these pretty deplorable lifestyles and they wanted to be around Jesus and asked myself, why? Why did sinful people wanna be around Jesus? And I think it's simple. Jesus loved them. Jesus was compassionate toward them. Jesus had time for them. Jesus cared about them. He, those people were valuably important to him and they mattered to him tremendously. And here's the neat thing. He hung around people like that and they liked to hang around him, but he never settled with their lifestyle being okay and their life being okay. He always challenged them to turn from their sin. He challenged them to enter a relationship with his father. He was constantly pushing them but he did it in love and gentleness. And he hung out with sinners, which is amazing to me. And my question for us today is, do sinners like to be around us? And you think, Danny, that's kind of a crazy question to ask me. But do sinners like to be around you? Do they feel your love? Do they feel your compassion? Do they feel your care? Do they feel like they're not being judged around you? Yeah, they need to know where you live and they need to know where you stand. But do sinners like to be around you? Man, they love to be around Jesus. Just look at the New Testament, look at Jesus's life. They were around him all the time. So back to our story, we've got Matthew here who actually invites Jesus to his home, which in my mind, I'm thinking, Matthew, are you crazy, dude? This is Jesus here and you're inviting him now into your home, not only into your home, but with all of your tax collector buddies, all of these other guys who are just ripping people off and aren't walking with God and aren't walking with Jesus and you're gonna invite him into your home? Are you kidding me? Seemed kind of crazy to me. And then even crazier, he gets the invitation and Jesus actually goes. Not only does he go, he takes his disciples with him. And in my mind, I'm thinking, okay, you're gonna walk into this home with all these guys. And I'm pretty sure that the jokes they told, the language they used, the things they talked about probably weren't really church worthy things. I've got a feeling there were probably a lot of words being thrown around that weren't words that Jesus liked being around or that we would like being around, jokes being told that he probably didn't approve of or didn't like or thought, you know, I wish they wouldn't do that. I've got a feeling the topic of conversation probably wasn't real wholesome in this place. And Jesus knew that, but he still took his disciples with him into this place. Now, let me give this disclaimer real quickly. I think we need to be in tune, which is what I started the message with, on where God wants us to go and what he wants us to do. 
Because I do believe there are places God wants us to be and there's places he doesn't want us to be. So you've gotta be really careful and make sure when you're in these places that you feel like God has called me here and it's a place that you know people aren't walking with Jesus, they're not living lives that glorify him. You need to make sure that you're in his power and in his strength and in his calling when you go do that. But there will be times as believers that God calls us into messy situations, just like he did Jesus. And he wants us to go live for him and honor him in those places. And that's exactly what Jesus did. So what we have here is this, dis, this disreputable sinner and his friends inviting Jesus to hang out. He accepts, he goes right in there with them, he hangs out with them. And I can only imagine what church people are doing right now. I can only imagine what the Pharisees, we're actually gonna look at what they're doing in a minute, but I can only imagine what's going through their mind. I couldn't help but think back at my former church, we had a group of ladies um, who really began to pray, God, where do you wanna use us? Where, where do you wanna use us in the city of Columbia? And I'll never forget it, this group of ladies for a season, and I don't remember now if it was six months or a year, but they decided they were gonna go to strip clubs. And that as women came out of these strip clubs, they were simply going to provide them a plate of, of food, of goodies, and just love on them and care for them. And you can imagine at first, people kind of got their feathers ruffled and some people were just angry that these ladies were willing to do this. But thankfully our pastor said, no, this is what they're called to do. This is where they need to be. This is what they need to be doing. And we heard some incredible testimonies how God used these women to reach out to other women who were living lives totally contrary to them and these women were simply loving them. And so what I would say to you today again is that God's gonna call us into some crazy places to do some crazy things and people around us, believers a lot of times are gonna look at us and go, what are you doing? Why are you doing that? This may come surprise to you. Cedar Creek is not always looked at in a great light around the city of Aiken because we minister to people that other churches will throw out the door and they won't have anything to do with. And we don't, we don't operate that way here because we know this, Jesus hung out with sinners and we need to hang out with people. And we're sinners ourselves and we're not beyond that. And we need God's grace, just like that person that comes through our door. The important thing we need to understand is that Jesus hung out with all kinds of people. So the application for us today, you'll see it on your card there, hang around all kinds of people. Hang around all kinds of people. Would people accuse you of hanging out with sinners? That's a question I ask myself. Would people look at me and say, Danny, do you hang out with sinners? Or they accuse me, Danny, you hang out with sinners. Do they accuse me of that? Because here's what I know. If we're gonna help people find their way back to God, which is our mission here at this church, we have to hang out with where sinful, broken people are, not expect them to come here. We've gotta go to where they are and we've gotta reach them where they are. So the first two habits um, that led Jesus to lead in life, tr life tr transforming lives is he called all kinds of people and he hung out with all kinds of people. The third thing is Jesus saved all kinds of people. Listen to verses 11 through 13 again. God's word says this. But when the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, why does your teacher uh, eat with such scum? When Jesus heard this, he said, healthy people don't need a doctor, sick people do. Then he added, now go and learn the meaning of the scripture. I want you to show mercy, not offer sacrifices. For I've come to call those who think they, I've called, come to call those who do not think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners. Wow, what a question that these Pharisees ask in the opening verse of, in verse 11 right there. What a question, why does your teacher eat with such scum? These are religious leaders. These are people like me that are asking this question. 
And this is a shame because I think these people, these guys are supposed to be religious. These guys are supposed to know Jesus. They're supposed to be walking with God. And they ask a question like that. It really makes me wonder where are they with Jesus? Where are they with God? If that's how they see a sinner, as somebody that is scum, they were so focused on the law. They were so focused on biting by every detail that they missed people. And here's the sad part. So many churches in America today do the same thing. It's about rules, it's about dress, it's about the way you behave, it's about the way you act, it's about having your life in order, it's about looking good on the outside. And we can get so focused, just like these Pharisees, on what's on the outside that we miss what's really happening on the inside. And I can only imagine what those accusations must have sounded like to Jesus, what they must have sounded like to God. His creation, his valuable treasure, to be said and to be spoken of as scum had to break his heart because these are people that Jesus loved and the people that he was gonna give his life for a short time later. And it had to crush him when they were asking that question. But here's the sad part. As I'm sitting here reading and kind of getting hard and, and getting focused on these Pharisees and how could they do that? It's like God just grabbed my heart and said, slow down. Because let me ask you this, Danny. Let me ask you this question. What do you say about the people I've created? How do, you, how do you treat the people that I've created? And I had to stop and I had to, to think for a minute and think, am I guilty of tearing people down? Yeah, at times I can do that, more times than I really wanna to admit to you. Am I guilty of treating people poorly? Yeah. Am I guilty of ignoring people? The person who's downtrodden, who's struggling, who's difficult and I, who's difficult and I just ignore them because it's, easy, it's the easy thing to do? Do I withhold Jesus from people? Does God lay people on my heart? And I basically say to him, God, that person's scum and I'm not gonna take the time to talk to him about you because that's what my actions are saying. Or do I judge people? The list goes on and on, but I had to start thinking, maybe I'm more like the Pharisee than I think. And maybe by my actions and the way I treat people, maybe I'm treating them like scum. And maybe I need to look in my heart and ask myself, do I really believe that God wants to save this person, that God cares about this person? Or am I just like the Pharisees? Maybe I'm not too far from them, which breaks my heart to save. Well, back to the passage real quickly here. I love Jesus' response in verse 12. He simply says, healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people need a doctor. And he puts them in their place very quickly. And I, I, I'm assuming they understood that he was talking about them. But basically what he's saying here is reminding them he's not about saving the, the healthy people. They don't need to be saved. And the healthy people here are the people who are proud and haughty and arrogant. And the sick people are the ones who are broken and sinful. And Jesus is saying, I'm about the sinful, broken person. I'm not about the person who acts like they have their life together and acts like everything is great. That's not who I came for. I came for the person that knows they're broken and knows they're hurting and knows they're struggling. And Christ followers need to be reminded that church, that our lives are about sick people. They're not about healthy people. It's not all about image. And too many times the church has been a place and our lives even can be a place that come across as we have it all together and we appear good on the outside. And here's what I'm gonna tell you, that's a lie. That is a lie. Some of the most dangerous people that I struggle hanging around are holy, righteous people. And let me tell you how this comes across. This is the person that when you talk to them, all they can talk to you is about how 
God this, God that. I dropped the mirror on my toe and it hurt and I praise God because I could feel pain in my foot and I'm thinking, what are you talking about? You dropped the mirror on your foot and you praise Jesus. I'm screaming, I'm yelling, I'm saying things I probably shouldn't say. And I find people who just wanna talk this religious stuff over and over and over again. I'll never forget a guy who I was really close to who went to a Christian college and one day he called me after about probably three months there. And he said, I need to ask you a question. I'm embarrassed to ask this question. And I said, what is that? And Daniel asked me this question. He said, when you were in seminary, did you get sick of hearing religious talk all the time? And I just started laughing. And I said, Daniel, yes, I got sick of hearing religious talk all the time. It's God, this, God, that. And again, there's a place for that. But when it's that way over and over and over again, and that's all people wanna do and they wanna judge other people, and they wanna put other people down. I see it over and over again. And here's what I also see over and over again. Those religious people, most of the time are hiding something. And y'all, I'm just gonna tell you, I've been doing this for a long time and there's a pattern in this. And what I found is that people who talk the most religious talk the people who wanna put other people down, the people who wanna box other people in the most, typically at some point, I've watched something in their life crumble and I've watched things all of a sudden be exposed because it's just talk, it's just a bunch of junk. And what I'm saying to you is we're all broken. So don't come in here acting like you got it all together and that your life is great and that you don't need Jesus and that you don't need other people because you got it all together. You, that's just not being truthful because you struggle just like I struggle, whether you want to admit it or not. And if I'm stepping on your toes today, I'm sorry. But the fact is we all struggle and we all need Jesus. And we need to remember that as we relate to other people because other people need Jesus just like we do. So I would say to you, just be careful because we're all in that same boat. And so be, be very careful with that. But you'll also notice in the last part of verse 13, Jesus says this. He says that he's come to call those who think that who, this keeps, throwing me for loop for some reason. Verse 13, for I've come to call not those who think they are righteous, but those who think they're sinners. Again, Jesus is saying, I'm calling the person who is broken. I'm calling the person who is sinful. I'm calling the person who doesn't have it all together. That's who he's about. That's who Jesus is about. And I'm just afraid we miss that times. And I wanna tell you this, Jesus is all about a, re a relationship with broken, sinful people. If that's you today, welcome. The more broken you are, the more I would say to you, Jesus is just saying, come to me, come to me, come to me. I don't want you to get it all together. You don't have to have it all together. Come to me and let me work in your life. Let me do what I wanna do in your life. And today, somebody in here, I think God's calling you because you feel like you're too far gone. You're too far broken. There's no way God could love you. And I would say that is so far from the truth. You are who Jesus is all about. You are who he's all about. So the application point here is be prepared to talk about Jesus to other people because he's gonna give you that opportunity. And I wanna read to you in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15, this verse, because this is a, a very important verse for those of us who know Jesus. He says this, instead, you must worship Christ as a Lord of your life. And if someone asks about your hope as a believer, always be ready to explain it. Those of us who know Jesus always need to be able and be ready to explain the hope that we have in our heart the love, the forgiveness that we found. We need to be ready to tell, to tell people about that because God wants to use you to save other people. I promise you he'll use you to do that, but he wants you to be ready and you've got to be prepared to share that account and to let people know that. So real quickly, and I got to wrap up here, but first of all, we know a habit in Jesus' life, he called all kinds of people. A second thing is he hung around all kinds of people. The third thing is he saved all kinds of people. And the fourth thing that you'll see on your outline there is he continued to do all of these things. 
Jesus continues today to call all kind of people. Jesus continues through us as believers to hang around all kind of people. Jesus continues oftentimes through us and his working through us to save other people. And he continues to that and he's gonna keep right on doing that because he has a passion and a desire that everybody would know him. Danny, how can you say that? I'm glad you asked me. Over in um, 1 Peter, uh, yes, 1 Peter 3, 9, 2 Peter 3, 9, God's word says this. This is how I can say that. This is Jesus. This is what God is saying. The Lord isn't really slow about his promise. The promise here is returning. He's not slow about that, as some people think about slowness. No, he is being patient for your sake. He does not want anyone to be destroyed, but everyone to come to repentance. Jesus wants every single person, no matter how horrible they think they are, and no matter how good they think they are, God's passion and God's desire is that no one suffer, that no one spend eternity separated from him, and he is waiting to return to this earth He is delaying his return that one more person would be in a relationship with him. And that's how I know he's continuing to do this because he's waiting and he's waiting and he's waiting because he wants people to be saved. He wants people to be in a relationship with him. So I just want you to know today that Hebrews 13, eight says this, that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He'll never change. He's always the same. And he's about the very things we talked about from the very time he entered this earth until today, he's still about the very same things. And that's the habit of leading people to a transformed life through Jesus Christ. So look at the application point there for number four, be faithful or continue to be the church wherever you go. And Pastor Philip talks about this all the time, especially in his midweek, he always ends with this, talks about being the church. I wanna encourage you, continue to be the church wherever you go because God's at work and God is using you and God wants the same habits in Jesus's life to be in our life because he wants to draw people to himself and then experience the life that John 14, six talks about. So as I wrap up really quickly today, for Christ followers, I just challenge you to do this to begin to prayerfully seek God's heart on who it is that you need to reach out to. Begin to ask God, God, who is the Matthew in my life? Who is that sinful, broken person that I need to notice that you want me to reach out to? And then I'll go ahead and tell you, when God lays that person on your heart, it's gonna scare you to death to reach out to them. It's gonna be hard, it's gonna be challenging, it's gonna be scary, but I can tell you this, as you do that, God's gonna use you just like, God, just like God used Jesus in Matthew's life. God's gonna use you in other people's lives as you take that step and prayerfully, God, who do I reach? And God, now I'm gonna be faithful to do that. He's gonna help you do that. For those of you who don't have a relationship with Jesus, I'm just gonna ask you to do one thing today. Just explore that relationship, please. Just begin to look at that relationship. I'm happy to talk with you. We'll have prayer encouragers down here in a few moments that'll begin to talk with you about that. Get a copy of God's word. If you don't have one, see me. We'll get you a copy of God's word. Begin to read and study about the life of Jesus. Find out who he was, because what I know is this. He's waiting to come back. God is waiting to send Jesus back because he wants a relationship with you so, so badly. And don't let today go by to begin to explore that relationship. And again, we wanna do anything we can at Cedar Creek to help you find out more about, to take that next step because we do believe with all of our heart because we've experienced that, that through Jesus Christ, there's a life out there of abundance, of joy, of peace, of direction. No, it's not easy. Yes, it's challenging. Yes, it can be very difficult, but there's a peace that comes from Jesus that doesn't come from anywhere else and nobody else can give it to you. And we just want you to know that Jesus. 
So today, what's your next step? God's calling each of us to do something and will you be faithful to take that step? Would you pray with me? Father, I wanna come to you today and thank you for our time. Father, I thank you for each person that's here, each person that's online, each person who will view this message. And Father, my hope is really simple. Father, they hear your word, they hear your message today and they understand your passion to give them life, your passion for them to understand that you are the way, you are the truth and you are the life. And my hope and my prayer is that as you clearly speak to them that, and speak to us, Father, that we'll just be obedient to do what it is you've called us to do. For some of us, it may be a small step. For some of us, it may be a major step, but I pray that we would just be obedient. And Father, I stand here today amazed that you, in your grace and in your love, Father, and in your passion, that at 11 years old, you called a little boy named Danny into a personal relationship with you. And that, Father, as I surrendered my heart to you and I admitted my need for a Savior at 11 years old, you came into my life. And, Father, from that point on, I've been your child. Father, from that point on, all of my eternity is secure, not because of anything I've done, Father, not because I'm good, not because I'm a pastor, not because I try to live for you, but, Father, I am secure because of Jesus Christ and the forgiveness that he provided for me. And this morning, it's very clear from your word, that's what you want for every person on the face of this earth, that they would know you personally. Father, that they would spend all of eternity with you because they matter. And so my hope today for that person that doesn't know you, I pray their heart would yearn. I pray there would be a passion. I pray there would be a lack of rest and a lack of peace until they resolve their relationship with you, until they enter that relationship with you. Because again, Father, it matters so much that you're waiting to come back to get your church so that person could be part of your kingdom. So Father, work on their heart. Father, break their heart for you. Help them to understand your amazing love for them. And again, Father, just thank you for your love. I don't get it, I don't understand it. I don't know why you would love us that much, but I'm so grateful for that you do. So just take your word and use it in our lives. And Father, again, thank you for all that you're doing. We pray it in Jesus' name, amen.